I went out there and started meeting with companies in the food sector and realized that, okay, this is the real world, it's not the lab, and they are using really nasty additives to put in, in our food. That's what really inspired me to, to do things differently. Welcome to Who's Saving the Planet. I am your host, Tony Noto. With me is my co-host. Bam, 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 bam. His name is Jonas. Dun, 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 dun. He's carrying the wheel. Best intro ever. I've never gotten such a great introduction. Well, you're going to get more, my friend, because this is, I guess, the second or third episode that you and I are co-hosting together. I couldn't be more excited about it. We're yeah. interviewing... Leonardo Alvarez, the CEO and co-founder of Proterra. Yeah. Let's set the stakes a little bit. Future of food. It's the future of food. And the future is pretty bleak unless guys like Leonardo can really make a difference. And it sounds like they are. He raised a considerable amount of venture capital uh, in the past year, which is very hard to do considering COVID. And he jumped from San Francisco to France, which we talk a little bit about. And the reason why he did that is because they're really putting an effort into, I guess, nurturing startups like the one Leonardo runs, Proterra, because they really recognize how important it is and how important the tech is. And here's why it's important. Too many people are ingesting trans fats all the time. It's no secret. Uh, and that leads to a lot of problems, a lot of health issues, cardiovascular disease for one. And there was this groundswell of public sentiment that caused regulators like the FDA to ban the use of trans fats in foods. But what's the alternative? Well, there's palm oil. That's one. We talk a little bit about that because it helps preserve the freshness and provide an appealing texture to all the foods that we love, like cookies and cakes and, and spreadable condiments like um, Nutella and, and all that fun stuff. But palm oil, while better than high trans fats, really problematic for the environment. Yeah. And Leo's messaging of delivering the most high quality food to the most people possible in ways that, you know, increase the, the food's um, nutrition and also performance and scalability is really important and impressive um, in this day and age. And we have so many people in the world, not always enough good food to go around. Yes, there is not. And the thing that Leo does, his team rather, they figured out that there's no protein-based alternative on the market right now. All you have are these uh, natural extracts and other fermented organic acids, which can enhance shelf life, right? Because that's the whole purpose of these uh, trans fats and, and palm oil is they, they keep foods on the shelves longer so we can buy them. And uh, there's no healthy alternative unless Proterra gets its product uh, greenlit by regulators. So we talk a little bit about that. He, he developed a new protein that can extend shelf life by 30 days, and in some cases, more than 45 days. Uh, what shocked you the most? What did you, what did you find the most interesting about this conversation? There's a lot, but I think I was honestly most surprised by the fact that there's so much data available on how proteins are configured and operate that he could develop his own learning algorithm that could find ways to build these proteins 
through alternative approaches that aren't using things like palm oil. So I was just very impressed that there's been so much scientific investment in this area prior to now, which is great. It's provided all of this super foundational framework for this company to exist. Hold on, I'm waiting for the uh, creaking to stop. Oh, New York City apartments. <laughs> I need a sound booth. I think you should include the creaking just at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, I might as well. Might as well. Okay, so you were so impressed that you actually followed up with Leo after the interview. I did. You did a little bit more uh, journalism work, which was fantastic. So we're going to get to the Q&A with Leo right now. But to our listeners out there, stick around to the end because Jonas is going to tell us all what he learned. And uh, you don't want to miss it. So A, here's Leo. B, we got Jonas. The first question, though, is, is, is it Leonardo or Leo? Leo. Yes, that's Jordan. Leo. Okay. Leo. Welcome to Who's Saving the Planet. How are you? All right. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for, for having me today. Are you an uncle at all? Do you have niece or nephews? Not really. Okay, because then you'd be Uncle Leo, like the, <laughs> like the Seinfeld character. And then, of course, you'd have to be Uncle Leo, but you're not. You're just Leo. Right. Yeah, that's true. Thank you to Jonas for clearing that up, that he's uh, Leo and not Leonardo. I mean, there could have been a lot of in-betweens as well. I don't know. Maybe there's some Chilean nicknames for Leo that I don't know. There's not too many, just Leo. And that, that's been my whole life. Well, I'm from New York and there are a lot of Anthony's here and Tony's. <laughs> it's almost impossible <laughs> to go to New York and not meet at least a dozen Tony's. So, but now you're here, you're on Who's Saving the Planet. And I got to ask, where are you calling in from? Because last article that I read, your company, Proterra, hightailed it out of San Francisco and you guys are now in Paris. Are you calling exactly. from Paris? Not actually. I'm calling from, from Chile, Santiago. So it, it's being uh, quite a parkour in, in between. You know, we, we went from Santiago to, to San Francisco and then, and then now to Paris. So we have teams split all, all, all over the place. You still have team members in those cities, obviously in Santiago, but exactly. you still have like a little presence in San Francisco? Yeah. So we in San Francisco, it's mostly uh, business development. You know, it used to be a really nice hub, but now with everyone in quarantine, it's, I don't know if it's worth it, but yeah, we, we have we have the team in Chile, which is the R&D people. And right. in France, it's all about uh, scaling up and manufacturing facilities. What happened to San Francisco? Why ditch that city for a, a bigger presence in Paris? The main reason was to uh, find a nice place to scale up our, our products because we, and, and we can talk more about more details, but we produce our proteins through a process that is called fermentation, similar to producing wine and beer and cheese. And obviously Europe, it's a, a, a place where you, you have a lot of expertise in that field and capacities. So that's the main reason. So Paris was the place to be. Okay. Exactly. And plus we, we have a lot of artificial intelligence too, and competing against Google attracting talent. It, okay. it was quite hard. So that's the, the other reason. So Proterra Biosciences, a biotech startup, you did not skip a beat in 2020. You raised a little bit of venture capital. Series A, correct? It was a 5.5 exactly. million? Yes, sure. So it, it, it was indeed a, a 5.6 million. Uh, we closed 
with existing investors and also uh, one of our lead investors, it's based in France. And that's the, the third reason why we decided ah, to do the soft landing there. there so it is. We, we were focusing, uh, you know, to relocate to Europe in general, but then it, it makes sense to, to do it if your investor is already there, you know, you have connections and, and that was really good. They were like, hey, we're investing. Why don't you guys come over to our, our hometown? Exactly. Plus, you know, the, the French government is also investing a lot of money in, in bringing in some new talent. Uh, so they, they are, they, there is a lot of grants that, that you can apply for. I feel like it would be great if we just from, like cover the, the basics of maybe like Proterra's overall goal of, um, you know, solving food challenges for the world. Because I feel like that's enormous and is a huge thing for one company to take on. And you guys are doing it in a really unique way. So before we even jump into the this, you know, minutiae of how you're actually doing that, which is beyond me. So I'll, I'll have a lot of questions for how that works. What is the aim of Proterra and how are you solving these food challenges? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's that's really the, the, the passion we have in the vision. It's all about sustainability. We, we decided to start with the food industry, but we see the, the issues of sustainability beyond the food sector, right? In the chemical industry and even materials. And, and the, the core vision that we have is that proteins can solve most of the problems that we have right now from uh, the sustainability standpoint. And proteins have multiple functions. They can do virtually everything, right? They, they are in our skin. They allow us to breathe. They can be enzymes and transform substrates into products so you can uh, convert things, right? With atomic precision. So you can do virtually everything if you know how to manipulate those proteins. Uh, plus biology has been able to deploy these proteins at continental levels, right? So the scale, it's also there if we take inspiration from, from what biology have already done. So that, and that's the, the core vision we have. And, you know, we are looking to replace a lot of chemical additives, chemical compounds that are derived from petrochemicals, for example, that have a really huge impact on the environment and, and replace them with proteins. And if you think about that, you know, the same hypothesis, it's true in the food industry. There is a lot of petrochemicals and additives that we put in our food that have a massive impact in human health and the environment. So that's why we decided to go there. And, and the other reason why choose food first, it's because consumers are also realizing that they can actually play a key role in that transition, right? It, because they have the purchase power, they can force, we can force companies to innovate and develop better products for everyone. So we are in, in a unique um, moment where people have a lot of access to information. So we understand what kind of ingredients and additives companies are using. So we are interested in that. And that's uh, what we want to change, right? With proteins. Magic. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the food magic. But for our listeners out there, tell us how bad are petrochemicals for us in our foods? And these preservatives that we have in our foods, just how bad is it for us? Because it's something that is in nearly every item that we pick up off the shelves, but we don't really give it much thought. And exactly. part, of, part of what Proterra is doing is changing the, the makeup of a food so we don't have to, we can make them healthier and better for us, better for the environment, but why? How bad is it right now? So it, it is actually, a really bad and there is a lot of impact that we still don't know right because you know these st studies that takes 
I don't know, like 40 years to, to realize the impact that one ingredient or one additive will have in, in human health, it's, it's really challenging to, to conduct. But you, you touch uh, one really interesting point, which is about uh, trans fatty acids, right? So we, we do have a lot of information about that. And it's actually one of the, the additives that we want to replace from, from our food. And, and just to put some numbers, but the, it's estimated that trans fatty acids kills about 500,000 people per year, right? So that, that's, that's a huge number. And, and it's uh, because they you know, increase the risk of uh, heart disease, Obesity. Obesity, right. So it's, uh, there is a lot of challenges around that. And, and the food industry, you know, they put trans fatty acid. They used to, to put trans fatty acid everywhere because they, you know, tech, they, they provide a certain texture to food, which is really unique and that consumers really like. It's the spreadable texture. And yeah, that, that, so that's a really good example. But like in certain places, they tried to curb the use of trans fatty acids, correct? Like the government tried to get involved and make sure that if we're not demanding that food manufacturers use less trans fatty acids, we're at least letting the users know or consumers know just how much they're putting in their body by making it explicitly clear on the item just how many trans fatty acids are in uh I don't know. Give me a, 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 a typical food item that we would have that. Margarines, for example. Margarines. They used to contain a lot of trans fatty acids. And you're right, the, the FDA and, and a lot of regulators globally, they, they are uh, you know, trying to, to change that. And it's trans fatty acids and especially uh, partially aerogenated oils, which is uh, that, that's kind of the vegetable oils that are modified during a chemical process that produce the trans fats, right? So they, they don't occur naturally. If, if you have a vegetable oil, it will contain traces of trans fatty acid, but through this chemical process that changes liquid vegetable oils to, to solids, right? It turns liquids into spreadables or solid texture. You generate a lot of trans fatty acid in that process. And, and you know, that's when, when the issue comes in. And the FDA actually banned the use of partially hydrogenated uh, oils in 2015, and that was the first deadline, but none of the companies could actually change the, the massive amount that they use because it, the impact is huge. The FDA estimated that it was $16 billion for companies to transition from uh, partially hydrogenated oils to other sources. So then the next deadline was 2018. Again, none of the companies could commit. <laughs> and the last time I checked, it was 2021. I'm pretty sure that's still not the case. So yeah, it's, it's a huge challenge. So, so the FDA was basically like, hey guys, listen, 2015, get rid of it. And then 2015 rolled around, they're like, wait, 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 none of us did anything. So right. it was almost like a teacher yelling at their students, all right, please hand in the assignment on time. And then that, when the deadline comes, they're like, no, none of us, none of us did exactly. it. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Because the there technology wasn't. to replace it doesn't exist, right? There was no pressure. They didn't put pressure on. And so they said, it's okay. This assignment isn't actually due. That was a soft deadline. The amounts have been decreasing. So that, that's good, right? A lot of companies have actually committed to transition, but then the problem was that, okay, we are using this chemically modified vegetable oil that contains a lot of trans fatty acids to provide texture. Now it's banned. We need to find an alternative. And that alternative, it's actually palm oil. So you, you get from, you know, uh, impacting human health to impacting the environment and deforestation and all the issues around, you know, palm oil. 
And that's actually the main reason why palm oil consumption is growing so fast because it, you need to find an alternative to uh, trans fatty acids. And palm oil has one of the unique properties that the, the oil it produces is kind of a fat, which is solid at room temperature. Yeah. Well, what, why is palm oil bad for the environment? Actually, it's bad because it only grows on certain regions of the planet, right? So it, it's actually, if you look from, from the technical perspective, it's actually quite a, a unique crop, right? It produces six times more uh, oil per uh, hectare compared to other um, crops. So it's, it's really good, but it only grows in these, you know, certain regions of the planet. So you are limited in terms of land and that compete with wild forest in, uh, you know, in Asia. So to, because companies are asking for more palm and more palm, then they need to uh, grow more palm. And that's why they are deforestating everything, right? To, to grow more palm, that's the main impact. Leo, I know you have a product that is going to look to replace palm oil called Proterra Sense. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious how the process has been of trying to get these proteins replacing palm oil especially having to get through things like FDA approval and also companies deciding to change where they're sourcing their materials from. So using this alternative instead of palm oil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. And we, we indeed, that's why we are really into you know, palm and, and trans fatty acids is because we, we do have a product to replace that. It's still in development, but we, we have seen already really good results in, in experimental setups. And the technology, it's actually not, not a protein that will go and, and just replace one-on-one -on -one this vegetable oil. It's a, an enzymatic process that transforms liquid vegetable oils into spreadables and solids. It's, it's very similar to the chemical process that I was mentioning, but the beauty about enzymes is that they are really specific. So we can fine tune enzymes to, to produce just one product. So at the end, we are not getting any trans fats in the process. And so that, that's the, the whole technology behind it. In terms of the regulatory side, the enzyme doesn't remain in the final product. It's kind of immobilized in, in a, a reactor, right? So you can reutilize. So let's say we take sunflower oil or canola oil, we put it into a fermenter and then the enzyme will transform it into a solid. And then we extract this solid version of the sunflower oil, which chemically, it's very similar to palm oil and, and cocoa butter. So at the end, it's a product that we are already eating. So not, not too many issues in terms of regulatory. It's better so for it's, you and it's better for the environment. Exactly. And it, we are still, it's, you know, releasing pressure from palm. So then you can source multiple vegetable oils that can grow in many areas uh, worldwide. And so that, that's the, the way we are decreasing that environmental impact. So it sounds like you're increasing the efficiency of the use of existing oils so that you can make them less environmentally detrimental or less, you know, detrimental on human health even. Exactly. And, and yeah, and it, you know, it's, for example, corn oil, it's, it's really cheap. And so we can turn that into a product that is more valuable because you can use it for textures. And so it, it's it increasing value and then you decrease because you're competing with palm oil and other uh, tropical oils. So let's put it into perspective for folks. Proterra Sense could be used in 
all types of bakery products, chocolate, ice cream, plant-based meat alternatives. Is it better for my gut? Am I going to like pack on less pounds if I eat a lot of this stuff, which I do every day? In terms of fat content, it's, it's going to be similar. So okay. you, you still need to control that, right? <laughs> not, not too many burgers, it, even if you plant-based. But it's not a diet it product, not, Tony. It, it will not contain trans fats. So that, that's a huge uh, you know, difference. Okay, okay, got it. All right, so now let's, let's give an example. Um, is Proterosense is still in the prototype stage. Essentially, it's not in an item that we can find, like say at the Amish market or something. There's no ice cream with this in it just yet that's available for purchase. Exactly. What needs to happen to get there? Are you guys partnering with different companies? Are you looking at baked goods and, and ice cream and being like, okay, maybe let's concentrate on this and see if we can go mainstream with this? Like, What needs to happen to get to that level? Yeah, so we, we are handling multiple variables at the same, at the same time. Regulatory is one uh, big topic for us. So we are working with regulatory partners, especially in, in US to, to understand the labeling of this final product and making sure that it's safe for everyone to consume. So that's one part. Then the other, it's a technical challenge about scaling up the process because here we are talking about millions, hundreds of millions of ton of palm oil that are, you know, sell every year. So it's, it's a massive amount of volumes that you need to reach. And for that, we are partnering with different companies, especially on the ingredient producer side to, to make sure that we can reach that scale. So partnering with them to use their facilities and, and you know, the scaling up. And then the third component, it's about the food companies because they are the you know, ultimate, ultimate buyers about the, this ingredient and then they will use it in, in a final bakery applications or confectionery. I'm wondering if, you know, I'll, I'll go out to my local bakery, I'll buy my loaf of bread, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a package and on the back, it'll say, you know, organically made, sourced with, you know, local wheat and using this special agent via Proterra, Proterra Sense. Will I like end up seeing these ingredients on the back of a package or will you have a label somewhere? How will I know this is happening? Or is it all behind the scenes in the like it's, production process? No, it, it, indeed it will be in the, in the labeling, in the label list. So that, that's something that we want to be really transparent from the beginning with the consumer. So it's, it's also about you know, being, being honest with everyone and, and make them understand why this is a better product. And so, yeah, it will be in the, in the ingredient list and it's probably going to be something about, around enzymatically modified vegetable oil. And that's the kind of uh, labeling that we're exploring. So it's, you know, you, know, you also need to do a lot of uh, direct to consumer marketing to, to uh, make sure people will understand why this is better. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. let's, let's try to do that right now. Um, you know, the average person looks at a jar of say, Skippy peanut butter. And right now we all know Skippy peanut butter is made so it can sit on the, sh on the shelf for a long time. And even when it expires, I mean, a lot of that food is wasted, it's thrown away. Uh, the average consumer looking at peanut butter, you know, it's a staple in most households. It's certainly a favorite in, in mine. I can't eat it because it would kill me. I have an allergy, <laughs> but my dog loves it. That's what we use to keep the little guy calm when uh, we need to brush his hair or something. 
So tell us why, say, fast forward five years and stop me if that's a little ambitious or, uh, you know, not in, in accordance with your timeline, but five years comes around, Proterra is made with, Skippy peanut butter is made with Proterra. Why would that be a better product? Well, the, the main reason it's, uh, it's going to be healthier, right? If it will not contain any trans fats and trans fats actually kill people. So that, that's a fact. We know we have thousands of papers in scientific literature uh, pointing into that direction, right? So that's the, the first point that we're, we are making sure that we are not delivering any trans fats in, in, in this process. Then the second one, it's about, uh, you know, the environment that we, it's, it's not sourced from, from palm oil. So we are not uh, involved in any deforestation, right? Or killing orangutans. So that, that's- Killing and, orangutans? Are there, is yeah, that what you I said? Mean, exactly. Because the, you know, I don't know if you have seen, but there is like, uh, I remember one video that was kind of viral in, in UK because, you know, to- in order to make space for pond, they get rid of a lot of uh, wild forest and that in the end ended up killing orangutans because sometimes they, they turn wild forests into fires and yeah, that's a big issue. So us using palm oil is actually devastating the orangutan population. This is terrible, exactly. Leo. Yeah, right. it's terrible. The more you learn, so, Tony, the worse it gets. But that's exactly. why we have people like Leo to say, hey, don't worry, I got you covered. Yeah, he's a hero, Leo the hero. Okay, so continue, Leo. Yes, and, and then the third part, which is more behind the scenes, it's about how the process actually works. It's not a chemical process. So we, we are using a, a protein, uh, which is you know a natural molecule that it's produced through a fermentation process. So the, the environmental footprint, the carbon footprint, footprint, it's really low. And I think those are the main points that makes our products uh, really valuable. Yeah, I think the other thing that we haven't quite touched upon yet, but also makes your product really valuable is um, you alluded to it a little bit, but the way that you find these proteins that you then make your products from, or I guess into, is this AI technology, which is, I feel like the on the bleeding edge of everything these days. And so I wanna know if we can dive into the weeds just a little bit about um, how the AI technology you're using works. So I know that um, it's, it's called deep learning, which maybe will have you unpack a little bit for us. And also you're somehow using this deep learning AI methodology to find algorithms that you're using or to make an algorithm to find a protein that you're using to then generate this product. Exactly. And, and th that's exactly the, the core technology at our company. It's called MADI. And Maddie, it's an AI algorithm, specifically deep learning. So deep learning, it's a, it's part of the, the AI, and it's it, it it's involved with areas where you have a lot of data, thousands or millions of data points. So that that's where deep learning really uh, can help a lot and understand complicated patterns. And the way we see proteins, it's not just from a nutritional perspective. Like if you if you say the word proteins, most of people will think about meat or, or eggs or, I don't know, fish. We think about complicated 3D structures and molecules, right? Because proteins are sequence of amino acids that folds into a certain shape and that shape will have a function. And that's really complex. You can't see it with the naked eye. So 
we have trained this AI platform to learn from, from biology, uh, from you know, billions of years of evolution, all the proteins that we, uh, that we have uh, out there and understand those complicated patterns. So then we can ask this platform, okay, now we want a protein with these properties where we can find it or how we can design it, right? Because it, it learned from how biology built proteins from the beginning. And, and that's, uh, that's, you know, took us several years to, to reach a point where it actually achieves a good uh, accuracy, but it's continuously improving because from every protein engineering campaign, that's how we call it, we can provide feedback and make the model better and better with every iteration and every product we design. So you're using the blueprints of existing proteins in the abundance of nature to, you know, solve all of our problems with existing protein use. Yes, exactly. You put it in a very <laughs> beautiful way. <laughs> That's really nice. Okay. So we only have you for a few more minutes because uh, you're a busy guy. You got places to go, people to talk to. What's next for Proterra? Like, what could we expect from the company? Is there another fundraise in the works and, or are you well capitalized? Like, what's the next big initiative that needs to get done? Yeah, I think you know, being in a startup, we're always raising capital. It's it's like the that's the constant I think through the, this whole process. And because we, we have you know ambitions to to develop uh, ambitions to develop multiple products, not just the the palm oil replacer, but also working on a protein based uh, preservation technologies to extend shelf life and new emulsifiers. So we, we have many products and we need, we need a lot of uh, funding for that. So we are indeed fundraising. And I, I think the next step for us is to commercialize the product because that's where all these computational designs and predictions becomes a reality. When right. you have this you know, in, in a shelf and, and you can see your ingredient in the list of a product. So yeah. the first product to the market will be our, our antifungal application to extend shelf life on, on different uh, bakery products. This, my scone will be able to live longer on that shelf if, I, if it has a Proterra in there. Exactly. Are you partnering with any of the, the fermentation groups to also you know, do a package of like wine, cheese, plus Proterra proteins? I'll be the first customer in line if it's wine and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are indeed exploring cheese. I can't disclose uh, the partners, but uh, yeah, the, we, we are working with food companies in, in the bakery side and also cheese manufacturing. Okay. Not polio. Just say it if it's polio. That's everybody's, <laughs> everybody's go-to cheese. Oh, uh, I like a good sharp cheddar. Ah, oh, yes. Might be kind of basic though. Munster on a turkey sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> what inspired you to get into this space? Because uh, a, a person with your technical expertise probably could have done an endless list of things. So what, what inspired you to get into food tech and, and, uh, making foods healthier and better for, for us and the environment? That, that's a tough question, but yeah, I think my background, it's, it's really a technical background. I have a biotech engineering background specializing in computational biology. So uh, I really love proteins from the beginning of my career. And, and I love how to simulate biological systems in, in computers. But then once we started thinking about Proterra, about you know, developing a, a company, I went out there and started meeting with companies in the food sector and realized that, okay, this is the real world. It's not the lab. It, and they are using really nasty additives to put in, in our food. So I started to learn. And as, as you said before, like, the more you learn, the more you realize like, 
the issues that that are behind the scenes. So I think that's what really um, inspired me to to do things differently. Well, keep doing what you're doing because we need you. We need you on the front lines of food tech. So thank you, Leo, for coming on the show, and uh, we hope to have you back again. All right. Thanks, Tony, and thank you. This was really good. I really enjoyed it. That was Leo Alvarez, the top boss at Proterra. I stuck around the whole episode, and I hope you did too, because we have more. But before we get to that, let's quickly chat about Nutella again. At the top of the episode, talked a little bit about their palm oil. The company claims to use sustainable palm oil. Don't know if that's true, but that's what they say. Meaning no deforestation, no ape wildlife is lost during the making of their hazelnut spread. So you can eat it guilt-free, I hope. So the best we can do is hope. Just wanted to point that out so we don't get any angry emails or a lawsuit. Lex, I know you'll be happy. So let's get back to Jonas. Dun, 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 dun. He followed up with Leo. Talked all about his tech, deep learning, AI methodologies. Jonas, what did you learn? Yeah, totally. So we, we talked about it a little bit in the episode. Deep learning was the, the methodology that Leo chose to use with Proterra. He could have used a, a number of other ones, and I think they actually use a few others. But the reason they chose deep learning is because there's a, a wealth of information about proteins and how they're built from the past 70 years. And with that huge database, deep learning can actually work really well to solve the kinds of problems they're, they're asking. Can you give us a semi-technical breakdown of how Proterra's learning algorithm, known as MADI, works to build these proteins? MADI spelled M-A-D-I. Yeah, so I was really curious about this since my background is not in AI technology. And I was curious about how you actually get a learning algorithm to build a protein because one seems theoretical and one seems very tangible, you know, physical protein. Um, And so he gave me a great answer, but we'll start with just saying what a protein is. So if you enter proteins onto the stage, it's basically something that biology has perfected over the, you know, billions of years of life. And the way that Leo likes to think about them is that they're autonomous nanoscale machines that provide cells with energy, workforce, weaponry, and construction material. So they kind of do everything. Um, And proteins are made up of chains of amino acids. So if you remember back to, you know, your intro bio classes, it's all of these smaller building blocks that you can think about like Legos. And there are 20 different types of these Legos. And so if you build a 3D structure using these 20 different types, and maybe you say use a hundred Legos, so that's amino acids in this case, you can actually make uh, 20 to the power of 100. So that's 20 times itself, a hundred times, make that many different proteins, which is actually larger than the number of atoms in the known universe. So it, that's a huge number, a huge- Yes, it's, it's, it's not small. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's a huge problem then to try and figure out, well, how am I gonna, build proteins when there are so many different options. Um, And so that's sort of where Maddie steps in, um, is understanding how and what proteins to build and using existing data on how uh, proteins are made up of 
uh, which types of amino acids, the structure of their three-dimensional shape, and also the function. So all of that information about individual proteins can be used to learn um, about what it might look like to build a new protein with maybe similar functionality or similar structure. And one example from Proteras products would be, you know, what should an emulsifying protein look like at a molecular level? And Maddie could give you potentially a few options for how to construct that using uh, Proteras fermentation process. Their final product is a protein. It's not a living organism. It's not a GMO product. Yep. That's what I saw from uh, his feedback. Yeah. So what does that mean? Like, why is that a big deal? Why is that worth noting? Yeah, well, I was curious about this because I think in the food industry, especially with, um, you know, more recent advances with genetically altering foods and, you know, creating super corn and chicken with, you know, seven breasts, you know, those extreme notions you have in your head with GMO products. I was curious how Proterra kind of fits into that, into that landscape. And because they're not living products, they're not actually not part of that um, world. So they kind of sidestepped having to deal with those controversies, which is nice for this last question that I asked them about, you know, how do they, how do they get Proterra um, to be used by companies worldwide? How do they get bigger? Yeah, how do they get bigger? They're just starting out. And so they're still in, you know, the development stage and working with, you know, other companies. Um, and they, they seem like they've gotten some pretty, you mentioned pretty substantial venture capital. Um, but yeah, in practice, it's not enough just to say, you know, this is, you know, more environmentally friendly and better for human health. What people really want is comparative cost of a product for what they're already using, especially companies. Maybe not so much your consumer, but the, that's what the company wants. Um, and so Proterra really focuses on maintaining the functionality of their product, these proteins, um, and still making sure that it's an in-cost replacement. So in line with what exists to replace those, those maybe worse choices and instead use Proterra products. One day, Jonas, we're going to be able to buy desserts with the Proterra logo on them. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for my ice cream. That'd be great. Some, some kind of guar gum that I know somehow exists in all sorts of ice creams. And instead, it's made by Proterra. Yeah, I don't want gum in my ice cream. <laughs> I don't think anybody should. It's a surprise ingredient. When I was trying to make ice cream for the first time, I discovered that it was the secret ingredient that made it work instead of not, which was bizarre to me. When did you make your own ice cream? Oh, a while ago. It was a few years and I failed catastrophically the first few times, <laughs> but I got some assistance from, from a friend who knew how to make it better. And that was one of the tips was you need to add guar gum. And you're like, what does that even do? And I still don't really know. But I, I've made ice cream before. I didn't have to use guar gum. Unless Maybe guar gum was in an, an ingredient that I didn't know. You're probably just a better ice cream maker than me. You have better technique. You're folding it much nicer. Or my ice cream standards are much lower and it tasted terrible, but I didn't care. And I just just took a spoon and cleared the tub and just, you know, ate it like there a you pig. Go. If you grew up on Dairy Queen, you don't know any better. <laughs> no, I didn't grow up on Dairy Queen. Jonas, don't tell our listeners that. <laughs> but I don't know about you, but after this episode, I'm going to go raid the fridge, see what has guar gum in it and probably throw it away. I really want Nutella after all that Nutella talk, honestly.
and some peanut butter, maybe. Those sound like they go well together. Well, until next time, your name is Jonas. My name is We Peel. I got a box full of your toys. No, I'm just kidding. Really happy that we did this episode together, Jonas. You were a great co-host. You came in swinging with some excellent questions. And hopefully our fellow planeteers, they learned a little something. And they will make smarter purchasing choices as we want them to and doing their part in saving the world. So thank you. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in and tune in next week. Subscribe to our newsletter by visiting whosavingtheplanet.com. Follow us on Instagram, all that fun stuff. And Jonas, you have a great week, my friend. You too. Thanks, Tony.